Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, hey, Revive. My name's Jeremy. I'm on staff here at Hope. I'm so excited to be here with you. And we're going to continue on in the series that we've been doing. Uh, and it's called uh, Unexpected Beginnings. And there's this thing as I was praying and I was getting ready for, for the, tonight. And I uh, came upon the scripture passage that is one of my favorite passages. It comes from Philippians chapter 4. And it's a guy by the name of Paul is writing a letter. And he's writing a letter. And he says in the, in the very beginning of Philippians chapter 4, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy. Always be full of joy. And I think, for me, right now, on the tail end, uh, and hopefully it's the tail end, but almost two years, my goodness, two years, we've been stretched in ways, we've been challenged in ways, uh, both from the standpoint of facing something that we never had uh, a user manual to face a global pandemic that was something that was way out of nowhere. We have no playbook for that. Also, in the middle of that, we have uh, people who are, are divided in ways that we've never been divided before. We're finding the uh, relationships that are strained over things that we never, we never gave second thought to two years ago. And it seems to me, when I, when I read a passage like this, I start to wonder if God knows what God's doing. I start to think about, like, is this whole thing, this whole Jesus thing, this whole faith thing, this whole God thing, like, is there a part of it that seems as if it's a little bit more of a figment of some hopeful dream that I have of my imagination, or is it grounded in some sort of truth? And so I've, I, asked, I asked our worship team who, they're extraordinary. And what's, what, what's really crazy, and only God can do these kinds of things, is Jacob shared what Jacob shared about the song, God Will Work It Out. And in pregame, I said, hey, can we do something a little bit different tonight? Because I think sometimes we, we, we can read that and we cannot believe that, or we can read that and we can hope for that, we can read that, we can wish for that, or we can read that and we can see it, does, it works that way for everybody else and we can't receive it for ourselves. So as we get started uh, here in the message tonight, I'm just going to have us do a little, something a little bit different. They're going to lead us in the song, but I don't want you to sing. I don't. And some of you are like, oh, that's great, because I don't sing anyway, so that's great. And some of you are like, oh man, no, I love to sing, I love to sing. Just be still. Be still. Because what this is context, and we're going to get to this. We're going to get to this. We're not just going to let this hang, but we're going to get to it. But what we need to do sometimes is to have God's truth spoken over us. To hear God's word proclaimed. The Bible says that God's word goes out and it never comes back empty. It always produces its, its, its purpose. It always is doing something in us and through us. And so uh, whatever posture is right for you, whether it's uh, eyes closed, whether it's eyes open, whether it's arms down, whether it's arms up, whether it's arms like this, like you're going to receive something, or whether it's just being still and slouching back, whatever is cool is cool and it's good for you. But, but hear these words. Hear these words, not out of some songwriter that's saying, hey, I got to think of something catchy. I got to think of something that people are going to be able to sing and worship. No, these songs that we sing are people who are combing through God's word and, and asking and praying, God, speak to me so, so I can write something that can, people can encounter your presence, the Holy Spirit that's alive and present right now. And so these are words, God's words 
sung over you, spoken over you, for you to sit in and to soak in and to, and to be in, to be still. So hear this and rest and just, just be selfish. Receive it and let God do what God does. amen, uh, it's not just the way that you close a prayer. The reason you use the word amen to close a prayer is because what it literally means is let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be true. Let it be so. So to that, I don't say amen because it's closing. I say amen because we're saying together, let it be so. Let it be true. God, your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. Just a couple days ago, myself, Kelsey was able to be on it as well. We had the opportunity to be on a call with somebody from Polk County, Polk County Health. And they had reached out to us at Lutheran Church of Hope. They uh, had asked to speak with a few of us because they were noticing something that's happening in our communities that's concerning. Is that a lot of people are living in a reality where they don't know if things are going to work out. That mental health is incredibly, brain health is incredibly fragile right now. And so when, uh, when, when Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord, I'll say it again, rejoice. There's a lot of us that are saying, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you're one of those people who you, you drive around in your car and you drive around in your car in such a way that uh, you wait until the gas light goes on before you ever, uh, you ever fill it up. Like, that's me. Like, that's me all the time. Like, it used to not be me. And then all of a sudden, something happened in the last few years. I think it was called kids, where I just don't have enough time to do what I need to do. And so, so many times, thanks, Luke, so many times I'm driving around, and I get to a place where I realize that the, the, the fuel light is on, and I realize there are a bunch of things that I have to do before I'm going to have time to, to fill the tank up with gas. And I start to ask my question, am I going to make it? 
Do I have enough to get where I need to go? And sometimes, unfortunately, I say, you know what? I'm just going to chance it. I'm just going to see if it's going to work. And, and there are times where our son, and our son is the one in our family who, uh, he's the, like, he, our daughter is just like, she just rolls with it. She just rolls with it. Like, there's nothing that rattles her. When she was really little, they got their flu shots for the first time, and our son freaked out the whole time. Like, he was screaming before we even brought him to the place where they were going to get the flu shot. Our daughter, when they're giving her the flu shot, she looked at her arm as the needle went in, and then she looked at the nurse, and she smiled. And the nurse said, my goodness, she's tough as nails. And we said, we know. Try to parent her. But our son, who loves to get things ordered and get things the way that they need to be, he's the one where we were in my car one time and he saw that the, the, the gas light was on. He's like, Dad, you got to stop. You got to stop. And I said, no, I think we're going to get there. And he said, how do we know? And I said, I don't know, but we're going to see. <laughs> and I think one of the, the, the realities of life is a lot of us, we run our lives that way, right? We run our lives with the gas light on and we don't take proper care to put the first things first. And we start to think about what people around us say. And what we, we, we think about is, well, you just don't understand. You just don't get it. You, you, you don't know my life the way that I know my life. You don't know my reality the way that I know my reality. And so you, you, you don't understand. And I, I think about this from the standpoint of, I, it's the way that I approached my parents my entire childhood. I would always tell them, you, you just don't get it. You don't understand. You just don't. You, it's different now than it was when you guys were kids. That's DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince, you know as uh, Will Smith. Uh, when I was a kid, he was the Fresh Prince, and they did really good music, like really good music. Will Smith was a rapper before he was an actor. And uh, there was a, an album that came out when I was in junior high. It was called He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. And the fourth song on that cassette tape. Now, it wasn't on a CD yet. That's how old this was. That's how long ago this was. It was on a cassette tape. And the fourth song on the cassette tape was a song called Parents Just Don't Understand. And I would listen to it, and I would listen to it, and I would listen to it, and I would listen to it. And I remember one, my, one day, my dad looked at me, and he said, what makes you think that I don't know what it is that you're going through? We look at God that way sometimes, don't we? We, we, run our, we run our lives in a way where we're just going, and the, the gas light's on, and all these warning lights are going on, and we're like, God, you just don't understand you don't get my experience the way that I get my experience. And so please, I'll let you know if I need you or, or I'll take your word for what it's worth when it suits my, my reality, what I'm going through, my truth right now. And so then we can hear something that says, uh, always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice. And we can say, <laughs> God, you just, you, just don't, you just don't understand. Paul, who writes this letter to the church in Philippi, he must not get it because, my goodness, the guy's writing scripture. I mean, he doesn't know what it's like to have a bad day. And if he does, it's like a minor bad day. It's not a bad day like wondering whether or not I'm going to have a relationship that I've been longing for forever work out. Or if my life is ever going to find itself lining itself onto the tracks that's going to get me to where I feel like I want it to go. Like I felt like I would get through, uh, through junior high and through high school and then I'd do whatever comes next after high school, whether that was college or whether I was entering into the career field or whatever it was for you. He said, these are the things that I go to do, I'm going to do and then once I get to that place, then it's all gonna work itself out, but it's not. And I find myself in this crazy stage of time 
And everybody tells me it's going to be okay, but I don't feel like it's going to be okay. And then I come to these things, and God says all of these things, and they just don't understand. Here's the thing about what Paul writes when he says, always be full of joy in the Lord, I'll say it again, rejoice. Is Paul's not writing that because he's on the, the, the heels of some mountaintop experience. Paul's not writing this because things were just clicking away in ways that he could never have imagined. Paul is writing this to a church that he helped to, to start, and he's writing a letter to them, and he's writing a letter to them to say thank you. Thank you for your kindness, because Paul was in prison. He had been following Jesus, and not only had he been following Jesus, but he had been telling people about Jesus. If anybody deserved for life to go the way that it ought to go, it would be Paul, right? But he's in prison. And so some people in the church in Philippi, they, they, they hear what's going on for Paul, and, and so, they, they send him, so they send him a care package. So Paul writes this letter to, to, to say thank you. And then Paul starts to, to write about his experience. In, in the book of Philippians, it's just incredibly, incredibly profound. In the middle of it, in Philippians chapter 2, you can read it on your own, uh, is a synopsis of the gospel where Paul says you should have the same attitude, the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And he has this, like, it's, it's poetic. And then we get to Philippians chapter 4. And Paul proclaims a truth that maybe wasn't his experience in the exact moment in time. That his circumstances, his realities, the things that were going on around him wouldn't indicate that this would be possible. But he says, always be full of joy. Why? Because Paul says, I found the secret. I found this unexpected beginning in my life that allows me to endure through any circumstance, that allows me to find joy when the rest of the world would see suffering. It didn't mean that Paul's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm in prison. No, Paul said, I can find purpose in prison. God's not going to stop me when I'm in prison. In fact, I'm going to be in prison. I'm going to do the same thing that God called me to do. I'm just going to do it where I find myself. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And he starts to tell about all the people in, in prison that he's telling about Jesus too. But Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or whether it's empty, whether it's with it's plenty or whether it's with little. And here's the thing. For all of us who are, are running on empty, all of us who are looking for something more, all of us who are looking to find the way in which our life will start to click the way we want our life to click, that's possible. And for some of you, you say, you know what, I get it, I know it, I understand it, I'm living it. But for some of you, it's never felt that way. It's possible. Because Paul says, not in some flippant way, not in some detached from reality way, from a dirt floor of a prison way, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's in Jesus that I find my strength. It's in Jesus that I find that my, my tank gets filled so I can drive through this journey that we're on called life. So my question to you for tonight as we, we look at this is, what do you look to in order to find life, meaning, significance, or happiness? What have you been trying to fill your tank with? We all do it. And I can tell you, just to put us all on the same playing field that not one of us can stand up here and say, Jesus all the time. <laughs> Man, that's just lying. 
Like we're in church. Don't lie in church. We can be honest. And if anybody ever tells you that they got the thing figured out and they never question, they never doubt, they never misstep, they never look to the wrong things to fill their tank, run from them. Because they just don't tell the truth. And one of the things that I find that's come to be a great source of, of, of just life for me is that my faith doesn't ask me to pretend. It never has. I don't come up here. I didn't come and, and figure out that I want to be a pastor because I woke up one day when I was like three years old and said, I'm going to be a pastor someday. No, it came from some very unexpected circumstances where I was trying to fill my tank on things that could never fill it. I was trying to find significance, meaning, purpose, identity in everything but Jesus. And what I found, and maybe you can relate, is that, I'm going to get back to that, is that that my life revolved around me. That if you were to ask me the question, and I don't think I would have known that I was doing that, but looking in in hindsight, it was kind of like I was the sun and everything else else in, in my life were the planets that revolved around it. And I started to, to think that maybe the, the, the purpose in life was to get whatever I could get out of it. How does that go for us? I believe, I do believe, not because I'm a, a, a person who's a downer. I'm not, trust me. But because I see it way too often. I see it in my own house. My goodness. Like, before I came here tonight, like, I, I cruised home for about 45 minutes so I could have dinner with my, my wife and my kids, and I got home, and I expected they'd be like, oh, Dad, you're home. Like, good. We get to have this just great oasis of time with you. And so we sat down for dinner, and it was wonderful, and I was going to come back here, and my wife was going to take my son to basketball practice, and my daughter was going to go with her, and they were, it was just going to be, and I thought, like, oh, wow, we have this pocket of time. It's like the 45 minutes I'm going to be able to see you guys today, because hopefully, hopefully they're going to be in bed when I get home, so I don't have to see them again today, because what happened was miserable. It was miserable, because he was yelling at her, and she was yelling at him, because they weren't doing what they wanted the other person to do. Because for them, as with so many of us, me is greater than we. I, I am more important than you. Like, if you ask me honestly to answer the question, what's more important, that I get what I want or that somebody else gets what they need? Notice the difference there. And I said that intentionally. A lot of us, because of our human nature, would say it's more important for me to get what I want than for somebody else to get what they need. That's Zacchaeus. It's a story that we've heard so many times, if we've been around the church at all, if you've ever been in Sunday school, you, you, you sang that horrible song. And I was going to have people sing it, but I thought, no, 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 we're not going to sing it. We're not going to sing it. No, no, hey, no, we're not going to sing it. Like, I promise, like, 
My, my kids even said, what are you going to preach about tonight, tonight, Dad? And I said, first, you, because you're, you're miserable. And the second thing is Zacchaeus. And they said, are you going to sing the song? And I said, no, we're not going to sing the song. We're not going to sing the song that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man. Was he climbed up in the city? All that whole thing. Okay, so what was the problem with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, let's look what the Bible says. It says Zacchaeus was a, a chief tax collector. Now, what that meant is he was the head of all the tax collectors in the region in which he lived. And so he was the one. So what, what happened in the time of Jesus is the people who were Jewish, they, they lived in an area that was occupied by Rome. So they had to pay their taxes. So there was a tax, and we all pay taxes, and the, the tax would go to make sure that things were taken care of in the cities in which they lived. But the problem was, is that there were tax collectors that when they would go out and collect the taxes, it was legal for them, not ethical, but it was legal for them to add some money to the top that would provide for their own income. So they would take their own cut. So they would steal from the people that were paying their taxes, and then the chief tax collector would take a cut from all the tax collectors. So the chief tax collectors in these cities would be the wealthiest people in the city. And the wealth that they had gotten was because they operated under a standpoint of it was me over we. And so Zacchaeus was despised. And Jesus is coming to town one day, and I don't know, I don't know what it was that was going uh, on in his life. I would imagine, because sometimes I, I read uh, scripture very literally, because I believe it's the inspired word of God. I believe that God did not mess up when, when God's spirit was involved in the writing of scripture. I take it literally, but I also believe that there's an aspect of the Holy Spirit working in the writers of scripture that allows us to see pictures that are happening. So when I think about Zacchaeus being a wee little man, I don't necessarily think that Zacchaeus was short. I think that Zacchaeus thought that he was very small. And maybe it was that that caused him to cheat people, to give him wealth that would allow him to see and feel as if he was big. And I wonder if Zacchaeus got to a point in his life where he thought, you know what? This isn't life. My tank's not full. The gaslight on my horse and carriage isn't on, like that's on, and it's not going. It's not. It's not going well. So Zacchaeus goes up in a tree, and I would say, in many regards, Zacchaeus goes out on a limb. And maybe that's the way that you feel as well. You say, "I want to know Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. I, I, I want that." I want it to be more about we than it is all about me. But there's a lot of things that, that I'm trying to cover up in my life, a lot of things that I've tried to use to, to make me feel like I have a stature, that I have significance, that I have meanings, that, that I'm, I'm big because I feel so small. And to, to hand over the reins to Jesus seems incredibly risky. Here's the thing, it's not. It feels like it. I get it. 
Jesus sees, sees Zacchaeus, and you think about all the things that Jesus could have said. Jesus, don't forget this. Jesus was Jewish. So Zacchaeus was stealing from him too. Thought about that? That's maybe one of the most radical things about the story. Because Jesus, son of God, could have said, all right, Zacchaeus, I won't see you in hell because I ain't going down there for you. You're going to go there. I'm going to give my judgment on you because you've been stealing from me. You've been stealing from my friends. You've been stealing from my family. You've never given us the opportunity to ever find relief and freedom in this world, but that's not Jesus. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to be a guest in your home today. And here's where the story gets really good. Because that, that love that God gave to Zacchaeus, it, it changed everything about him. And it changes everything about you because God's love gives you a new perspective and an unexpected beginning. And here's what it did for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus responds to Jesus and he says, hey, my goodness, he started, his eyes were open to what had been going on and to what had been happening and he started to see it for what it was and he started to realize that his sole purpose in life wasn't to get what he wanted. His sole purpose in life was to be able to give what he had. He says, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give half of everything I have away to, to the poor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them back four times as much. Because I realize that it's not about what I have, it's about what I can give. And, and Revive, this is, this is what I, I think all of us need to understand, and I think this is what Paul, Paul was getting at. When he says, I can do all things through Christ, it's because I realize that God has given me an identity, and it's in that identity that, that God can move through me. That God could use me. That I'm not here by accident. That I'm not somehow insignificant. That I'm not somehow uh, uh, meaningless in this, this whole thing. Like That somehow if I weren't here, or somehow I wasn't around, or somehow I wasn't a part of this, that somehow it wouldn't not only be worse, that maybe it would be better if I wasn't a part. No, no, God wants you here, and God needs you here, and God, God has called you here. And the church, the community, the hope of the world, not Lutheran Church of Hope, not Revive, but the church, the local church is the hope of the world. Why? Because we carry the light of Jesus when we leave this place. And God needs you here. And God's called you here. And you, my friends, you have something to give. You have something. You have this unexpected new beginning in your life where you can start to see who I am matters and what I have can change the lives of the people in the world around me. This is what Zacchaeus had wealth to give, but I wonder, what is it that you have to give? I mean, for a very small portion of people, it's going to be wealth like Zacchaeus. It's not my gift. But the freedom of generosity is the way of Jesus, and it was the new and the unexpected new beginning for Zacchaeus, and it is for you. There is a gift that comes in generosity of seeing that the sole purpose in life is not 
ourselves. It's to be a part of something that's greater. It's interesting. I've been poking around in generosity all day today. And, and, and this isn't Christian research. This is just research. That uh, generosity, it lowers people's br- blood pressure. Demonstrably. It lowers blood pressure. It lessens depression and anxiety. And it leads to longer lives. Why? Because it connects us to something that's greater than ourselves. So my question, I guess, for you is, what do you have that you could bless the world around you? What do you have? I mean, let's just think about that. What do you have? Time, your talents, your possessions. What, what, What are you so incredibly passionate about? that your heart beats for. And you say, you know, God, I'm, 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 I'm going to give this to you. This is, oops, I'm going to go two back, um, three back, sorry. This is what Paul says later in his letter to the Romans. He says, because of all that Jesus has done for you, I'm going to ask you to give your lives back to him. Give all that you are. See your life as a living and, 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 and a holy sacrifice. And start to see the way in which God uses you to bless the world around you. You say, well, I have, I have this. And you know, I'm, I, I just love, I love hosting people. And I, I love to, to have people in my house. And I, I, I love to make people feel better. And I, I love to accommodate people. This is what I have. Then give it to God. And see what God can do with this. Because this That this that you have, this is what you were made for. You weren't given the passion and you weren't given the talents and you weren't given that just so everybody would say, oh, look how great they are. I mean, I'm going to talk about these guys because we see these guys. And God didn't give Laura an incredible voice and and Luke the ability to play drums and Isaac the ability to play keys and and Jacob the ability to play a, a guitar and to be able to sing. God didn't give it for them for us to say, oh, look how great they are. They're great. But so are you. But they've said, you know what? I'm going to use this, and I'm going to give it and see what God can do with it. I mean, if, if they were just doing, it, uh, doing like their music alone in, in, in a room by themselves, look, I'd try to beat down the door and, and check it out, because I love them. But what good would that do for the world? Sometimes I ask myself, if this group of people hear that worship at Lutheran Church of Hope. If we went away, would the world notice? And if we say no, then man, we're not being the church. That's not living lives of generosity. You heard it in the welcome video, like, like what, 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 we, we, what we hope for as a church. And maybe you're new to Lutheran Church of Hope, which Revive is a part of. But our aspiration as a church is to be a Zacchaeus church. You want to know what that means? That we would operate on 50% of all the offerings that come in. That we would give half of everything we get away. And we are darn close. We give millions of dollars away every year to people who are in need. How many of you have gone to our bookstore before? 
You go to our bookstore, and you get clothes, and you get drinks, and some people are like, oh, you have a bookstore in your church, Starbucks. You want to know what the bookstore is there for? Is we know that people buy coffee and, and, and clothing. And the clothing looks really cool, and it helps to spread the word about Jesus, so that's cool. But did you, did you know that in that bookstore, we don't make a cent? The people who work in there are either volunteers, or we budget them from our staff budget. And every penny of proceeds, you want to know what it does? Goes straight into mission. Last year, over $100,000 were given to people in need through your generosity. You thought you were just drinking a coffee. You think you were just having a smoothie. I believe that my kids could support like all the poor people in the Des Moines area with all the smoothies that they drink. Dad, can we have a smoothie? Dad, can we have a smoothie? Stop it! Act like a fool when you eat a smoothie because it's all sugar. But if it's supporting people in need, have another one. It's what we were made for. Paul says, you carry this light of Jesus Christ with you. And though you are a fragile clay jar, easily crushed, easily easily, we're just so closed in our humanity. God says, you still have the light. And revive, what's your greatest passion? What do you love to do? What has God gifted you to be good at? Use that and use that for the glory of God. You, you want to know what's fascinating? Is we, we look at just the other night, we, my, my, my son and I, we were in his bedroom and I was closing the, the shades in his bedroom and, and the sun was there and the sun was bright, like bright, like you had to close his blinds so it could be dark in his room. That's how bright the sun was. And we look at the, or the moon was, and we look at the moon, sorry, excuse me, and we talk about how beautiful the moon is. It's not beautiful. It's a lump of dirt. We've been there, right? We've been there and we've taken that dirt home with us. And we've studied that dirt, put it under microscopes. But you want to know what's amazing about it? It's not the moon that's beautiful. It's the moon that reflects the sun. So when we look at the moon, we shouldn't talk about how amazing the moon is. We should talk about how powerful the Okay, so that's you. Fragile clay jars. But we're shiny and we're reflective. And when people see and people experience the love that we give to the world around us because of how God created you, we reflect the power, not of us, but the power of the Son, Jesus Christ, who is our defender, who is the one who goes to battle for us, who's the one who's claimed us, the one who's anointed us, the one who sends us, the one who says, you are not here by accident, but I've called you here to send you there. So revive, go there this week. Amen? Amen. It is true. Stand up. Let's worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.